The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. There you are. That's where you are. You're there. Hey, everybody. Kevin Goatee, gutting the sacred cow. Wow, I know I say this pretty often, but you aren't going to believe what movie we're doing this week. One of the films we absolutely had on our bulletproof list. You ready? The Dark Knight. It's it. That's it. I'm floored. Someone has decided to go for the holy grail of the Nolan trilogy, and that someone is Mikey Flash. I guess it is true. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Before we get to it, don't forget to say hi to us at Gutting the Sacred Cow on all social media platforms, including guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com, and if you want to advertise with us, that's where you can find us. And of course, hey, you know we love those reviews. We post every single one of them, almost on uh, those five-star ratings you give us on the podcast platform of your choice. So please, if you haven't done so already, that does help. And subscribe to us on YouTube. That also helps. Without further ado, Mikey Flash is going to try and climb Mount Impossible and take down the Dark Knight. Gather around, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. May I have 10,000 marbles, please? Kevin Israel, name that film. I don't know. Our guest is Mikey Flash. Mikey Flash, do you know what film that is from? It was, I'd like 10,000 marbles, please. Yes. May I please have 10,000 marbles? Hmm. I can't bring it up. I feel like I've heard it before, but I cannot bring it up. You have, and you've, seen, you've both seen this movie a million times. Animal House. Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I want to do an uh, off the beat. That's an obscure one. I, that's well, an obscure quote. <laughs> I'm not going to do Germans. Live alone. He's rolling. That's too goddamn easy. <laughs> not going to. Don't, I don't play that. No, fuck. Touch well that. done. Well done. Yeah, that's a good, good call. Thank you. Mikey Flash joins us. How you doing, sir? What's going on? Doing just fine. Uh, just looking forward to this and, uh, you know, looking at a little bit of heat on uh, Twitter and some of the social media that I was getting from uh, picking this film, which I kind of knew there's a several films uh, that, you know, are kind of like nerd sacred, you know, titles. And this is one of them. But these are points in the things I'll say are stuff that I've always had issues with with this film. So, well, let's just tell the con folks what film it is you're doing there, Mr. Excitey Pants. 
Mikey has chosen to do, and uh, looks like he's, he's broadcasting from, from a closet with all the boxes back there. That or he's uh, he's hoarding, he's selling uh, hot merchandise. Mikey has decided to do the absolute one of the films I thought would never would come to this day, Kevin Israel, The Dark Knight. That means now all Nolan trilogy films have been selected. I thought this was the one that no one's going to go for this one. No. Well, Mikey, you got the balls. Let's see if you can back it up. 2008, it came out. A budget of $185 million. A box office haul of $1.003 billion with a B. Turn that into 2021 money. $237.6 million budget. $1.288 billion. That is all right. I think it did okay, I think. Mm-hmm. IMDb, as we all know, is a scale 1 through 10 with decimal points. Mikey, what do you think the Dark Knight scored? Uh, it was probably somewhere in the nights, probably like a maybe a 9.5, 9.6 out of 10 would be my best guess, just knowing what I know about it. Which one? Pick one, please. We can't. Uh, oh, let's just do 9. Po- I'll straddle all I want. Let's do 9.5. <laughs> no, you won't. It's my show. 9.5. Kevin Israel, how about yourself? Um, nine two nine flat. Ah, wow, Kevin, you were closer. Mm, yeah, I was gonna go a little lower too, but you threw me off. Rotten yeah, Tomatoes. I'm good Rotten, at that. Rotten Tomatoes, as we know, a one through one hundred percentage base score. Kevin Israel, critics, Rotten Tomatoes. Hit me with your best shot, cutie pie. Ninety six, Mikey. Uh, give it a 93. 94. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Mikey, what did the audience give The Dark Knight, Rotten Tomatoes? I think this was pretty even. I'm going to give it a 90. I think they gave it a 97, as I recall, or close to that. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I was going to say. Uh, uh, just to be fun, I'll go 98. 94. Same score oh. as the critics. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Quotes, do you want to know how I got these scars? And I thought my jokes were bad. I'm not wearing hockey pads. Yeah. Hang on, I you sound like you have more walnuts in your mouth when you say that. <laughs> Kevin Israel, I left a lot out there because I, yeah. I, the, I know the hockey pads is your favorite one. <laughs> yeah, I do love that, that line. Um, I mean, this, was, this is a, a surprisingly quotable superhero movie. I believe whatever doesn't kill you makes you weirder. Stranger. 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 Why did I type down weird? Stranger. That's weird. Um, what happened, fellas? Did your balls drop off? I wrote that down, <laughs> but I forgot to transfer. To Love it. Notes. Love it. Well, hello, beautiful. <laughs> and this is one of my favorite quotes, although you could never, you would never say it in passing. So you think your client, one of the wealthiest, yes. most powerful men in the yeah. world, is secretly a masked vigilante who spends his nights beating criminals to a pulp with his fists, and your plan is to blackmail this person? Good luck. Good luck. I'm Mikey, glad you what, said that. I'm going to bring that up later. Mikey, what do you have as quotes? Oh, I got I got to think on this one because you guys quoted you guys quoted some of my some of my favorite ones. Oh, uh, when uh, Maroney's sitting in the restaurants, you're going to embarrass me in front of all my friends here, Lieutenant. Nope, they're coming with us. There you go. Or or he's just a fall guy. I'm the brains of the organization. <laughs> nice. 
Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts for you right now. It's time for five fun more facts. Five fun facts for you right now. Heath Ledger locked himself in a hotel room for weeks until he came up with the character, which combined the stylings of Johnny Rotten, Sid Vicious, and Alex from A Clockwork Orange. I can see it. Yep. The first choice for the Joker. Want to take a guess? I think I remember something about that. I'm trying to remember who was it. Johnny Depp. I was going to say Johnny Depp. Yeah. Nope. It was Heath Ledger was the first choice, but uh, play, uh, trick question. I uh, got you. Uh, <laughs> got you, bitch. Uh, to uh, but those who those who decided to who showed interest, Steve Carell, Paul Paul Bettany, aka Vision. And my favorite choice, Adrian Brody. But Christopher Nolan told him with a nose like that, we'll keep you in mind for future films as the Penguin. <laughs> you made that up, right? I sure did. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> but wouldn't that have been a funny? Funny as hell, guys? anyway. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, we like to uh, we like to mix shit up here. Yeah. Number three, Katie Holmes opted out to do the movie. Mad Money, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, Oopsie. three Mississippi. What was, what was Mad Money? There you go. <laughs> and she was never heard from again. What is the amount of money she passed on to do this film? <laughs> Considered for the role of Rachel Dawes in this one, Rachel McAdams and Emily Blunt. Fine. Uh, Wise lay down, Katie. Well then, well then again, when you're pseudo fucking Tom Cruise and you have fuck me money, you don't yeah. give a shit. That's true. That's true. Consider for the role of Harvey Dent, three people. Uh, I want to give you a guess each, and I'll give you a hint. One of the three turned out to be in the Avengers. Robert Downey Jr. No. Uh, Chris Evans. No. Uber blowhard Mark Ruffalo was uh, considered for the role of Harvey Dent. Matt Damon and Ryan Felipe. Yeah, they they, they went right. Yeah, we haven't seen it since Cruel Intentions. Since that son of a a bitch snookered every dude our age with that that movie. Thought we're going to see some hot, hot lesbian action and boy, we got nothing. Yep. Number five, the obvious, Dark Knight Rises was supposed to be a continuation of the Joker story until Heath yeah. Ledger tried a Golden Corral amount of painkillers. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Tis. It would have been interesting to see him continue. I wonder how much of that movie was the same, though. Was it going to be that the Joker takes over the city and blockades everything? Well, part they- of it feels like it from the end of this, like because he's sort of setting up yeah, that people that they keep referencing Harvey's uh, criminals that he puts away that yeah. Joker has some plan for them. So it kind of leads me to believe he would break them out and that would be his army, quote unquote. You and I were destined to do this forever. <laughs> I love doing his voice. OK, kids, now <laughs> let's unleash the hounds with Ask a Gutter. And. Ask a gutter. You 
gotta ask the gutter. Seth Everett, who ironically did Joker on our podcast, asks, respectively, is he on crack? Mike, are you on crack? Uh, Not since 98. Well, no one likes a quitter. Ed Dwyer asks, you can only recast one, only one role with which one and with whom? I think I know you're going to go, but which character you're going to go with. I would probably, I mean, I'd probably obviously recast uh, Rachel and I'd put Katie back in the role because there was just much more chemistry uh, with Christian than Maggie. I felt like she was just stiff the whole time. As a morning boner, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Next, Eric at Eric4953 on Twitter asks, he must be a Superman guy. What's your favorite superhero movie then? Um, actually, I'm a Flash guy, but I, I like a lot of different superhero movies. I think for me, the one of the best superhero films is and will still be Raimi's Spider-Man 2. Up there. Yeah, that's a good Very call. much up there. Good call. I have it up there. Well, I have it up there with Captain America Winter Soldier as well. As yes, that's, that's fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, Days of Future Past, I also love. Uh, our old buddy Brandon uh, Oglesby at Newark Night. I really hope this gutting is about the movie's cultural impact or acting or cinematography, and not just because it's a comic book movie. In your opinion, what makes a good action thriller? And is this one of them, despite your gutting? I do think that this film has, in fact, my, 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 one of my final points I wrote down in notes for myself um, was that this is actually a really good action and detective story if it wasn't Batman. Like, if you took Batman out of the role and, you, and kind of took the, the Batman characters out of it and called them something else but ran with this story, you'd actually have a pretty, pretty damn good uh, action story just outside of a comic book film. And I think that's why it is so popular is because it has those aspects. There's times it doesn't feel like a comic film. Matt Dawson at Hopper 2400 just how, I guess, why? How can I come up with a question if I can't even come up with words? Hope this argument gets torn apart just as bad, if not worse, than the Toy Story episode. That was just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that one, and I think I responded as amicably as I could. Just if it does it. If I've got my points, if it does, you know, if I win, I win. I lose, I lose. But I like to feel, if nothing else, I came prepared. Now, you, so. you, I see. Yeah, I see that. Uh, Brandon Oglesby also writes: Batman Begins is and Dark Knight are great in their own way. One of the Batman Begins better one of the, the better of the origin stories. And the story develops as it goes. Dark Knight is great on story, pacing, action, and great rewatch value. Dark Knight Rises is definitely fine, but feels jumbled compared to the other two. At Bango, our buddy Bango, 2331, if your guest says one negative word about Ledger's performance, I refuse to be held responsible for whatever actions I take as a response. I did hear uh, noises outside the garage here because that's where I am, the Sanford and Son garage. I was going to say, um, is that why you're hiding in your basement so you so nobody yeah, can yeah, find pretty you? Much, yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's like a Unabomber type situation. Um, it actually, the acoustics in here work wonderfully. Um, no, I was actually going to preface that with my points, and I'll go ahead and say it right. now. No, no, no. Um, save, save it for your points later then. It's okay, in your, all right. Because right, I do have then. a response for this. That's fine. No, yeah. no, that's good. And just make sure you, you say so when you, you make your points. Uh, Absolutely. At Matt3571, Wicked Awesome. In my opinion, this was a perfect setup for the next movie in the series to be, to be the story from The Killing Joke. Would this have been the case if Heath Ledger didn't die? I think we all know that it would be. 
I don't think so. I think Kevin, okay. I think Kevin Israel there had the right idea as well. This kind of sets up uh, some elements from the Dark Knight Rises. I think Nolan was already going there, but instead of winging in Bane, I think it was going to be Joker again, kind of bringing the anarchy, but on a much stronger level. And maybe the League of Shadows may, maybe would have come back in the case again to just to tie things together from the first film. But I don't feel like it would have been the killing joke. I, I feel like that would have been yeah, way off in left field. Are Christopher are from Lord Snurts? Are Christopher Nolan films overrated? I don't think so. I mean, this I don't think in general they're overrated. He's actually very creative, and a lot of times his approach is very innovative. So now, granted, I think they can get overplayed sometimes or over talked about a little bit sometimes. But I feel like as a director, as his approach, he is actually pretty innovative. So I don't feel like I don't feel like he's overrated as a director. His last three films are very overrated. Taco Shirt, Krillin, know what? I think Batman Begins by far is the best movie in the trilogy. I don't have a serious question, and I hope they gut it like a fish or a cow. Okay. <laughs> uh, and one more. I where I can't find it. I want to make sure I do. Bango writes, seriously, fuck you. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I, to- I told you this was going to be. Is that with a question mark? Yes, that and that they, they, and they talk about that later on. Where they? I do require dinner first, at least. Though I mean, there's there's that part of it. Oh, stop it! You don't require dinner. At least you're a lady. <laughs> oh, I just like food. I have one. Yeah, one. I have one question. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, okay. The next one, our buddy Racy Canis, who did last week's episode of Highlander. No fucking way. This episode is going to be like watching Wiley e. Coyote run face first into the mountainside that was painted like a tunnel. No questions. I, I'm down with Wiley. Now, at Chris Orlando, I'm sure this will be addressed, but the fact that Batman has such a high moral conundrum to save, checks notes, Maggie Gyllenhaal. <laughs> at Katie Thank Cohen. You. That's in my points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Uh, at Katie Cohen says, Will Arnett, Lego Batman is my favorite Batman. Sorry, not sorry. Okay, cute. Uh, All right. Last one. At Delvin Cox, our pal as well. Bold choice. Well, I do have a question. How do you feel about the Batman franchise as a whole? And what, in your opinion, makes a good Batman? Oh, good job, Delvin. And I actually talked to Delvin earlier today about his opinions on this because I kind of put it out with anybody in my normal circles that wanted to talk about it because I know I'm not the only one that feels this way. Um, I feel like, and this is probably going to make me even less popular, but I feel like you should go into like some of the Zack Snyder films and, and Batman from that point. I feel like that's what makes a really good Batman film. When you see his motivations, when you see how committed he is to the mission, and when you see uh, fighting style, something I'm going to talk about a lot tonight, but you have to kind of capture how Batman fights. And I feel like uh, Ben's Batman has done that. And it looks to me like from the trailers that Robert Pattinson's Batman um, is going to do that as well. There's a rage to it. There's a, a drive to it. And I don't feel like this this film or this trilogy really captures that. Um, So I would look toward, I mean, I would love to see a whole film of like Ben Affleck's Batman in his prime, like what that, what that would have looked like. But I think that would have probably been a pretty solid interpretation. Fair. Kevin Israel, let's open the gates and let the man come out and face his attacker as one on war at one, as he swings his sword with one hand. And uh, and cowers with the other. I don't fucking know. Holds a holds a whip with the other. Let's see if we can keep the lions at bay. Kevin Israel, it's time for Mikey Flash to gut, gut. The, the 
Sacred, sacred cow. cow. I thought we were doing the just too sweet thing. All right. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, to start off with, and I will address this because I, I don't want anybody to feel like I don't. None of my points have anything to do with Ledger's performance. I feel like Heath Ledger knocked it out of the park with this role. I feel like he did something that a lot of actors don't do um, in their films these days. There's few that do. He took the role super seriously. He did his research and he created an interpretation that was original in every possible way. We had never seen this version of the Joker before, and he just nails it. So you won't hear a negative thing from me uh, tonight on his performance as, as the character. That being said, one of my biggest points toward the end of my end of my notes here, um, but I'll hit right hit right now is I feel like because he did the role so well, it makes us kind of have a blind spot to a lot of the other issues with the film. It's like, we just look at it and go, Whoa, Ledger does not Ledger's Joker is amazing, but then you don't look at everything else. You're like, wait a minute, that's weird. Why they do that? So right. I feel like that. I feel like that sometimes clouds our judgment going in because he did such a great job, which is once again a real testament uh, to him. So to our to our I guess our tweeters that said that making sure that I don't insult him, trust me, that will not happen. Um, but I will start, and this has nothing to do with his performance, but I think choice beginning of the film. I'm just going to start right at the beginning. Bank robbery scene. Great scene overall, great sequence overall. However, the scene opens with Heath in clown makeup, holding a clown mask with a duffel bag, standing in in broad daylight. And I'm thinking, okay, this may be Gotham, but nobody says anything about this. Like he's able to just walk into a car to rob a bank in broad daylight, wearing clown makeup, clearly carrying a clown mask and a duffel bag. I mean... It would take uh, somebody not really paying any attention whatsoever to not think, well, I, I wonder if they're up to something or if he's just hanging around there. So that kind of that kind of caught my caught my attention. Um, the rest of that sequence is great, though. Next point. The several times Batman is attacked by a dog. I don't understand this because it's brought up, especially at the beginning. He's still wearing the, the original suit, the you know, the proto suit. And Lucius and Batman begins make sure to tell him that it's it's a. Kevlar by weave, no mech survival suit. Last time I checked, you know, that's the kind of thing, or cops wear less than that when they're training their police dogs, when they're training dogs that will attack you, will bite down on your arm and things like that. But when the Russian releases his dogs on Batman, he suddenly can't do anything. Like for at least two or three seconds, he's incapacitated by a Rottweiler. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you go to SWAT school to learn all this stuff here? I know a few police officers, and I had definitely asked the question. Actually, I did my research here, but, but Kevlar, <laughs> well yeah, Kevlar, Kevlar would protect you, and it, he just kind of acted like a doof, like oh, dogs! I don't know what to do, dogs, right? So, oh, and I thought dogs, yeah, they were big dogs. But this, but this is Batman we're talking about, um, and that's even the beginning. That's before the separation of the plates, which they kind of use as an excuse why he. Uh, maybe more vulnerable to weaponry. But that first suit, I mean, could take an explosion and still roughly survive. Which brings me to, and I'll, I'll note this several times throughout my discussion, fighting style has gotten very clumsy in this. Really pay attention to how Batman's fighting because he looks like he suddenly forgot everything he learned in the first film. So one thing I like about Batman Begins, it shows him specifically fighting six or seven guys on all sides and defending himself with training by the League of Assassins and Ra's al Ghul, he's able to 
you know, defend himself effectively. And you see this even at the end of the film. But in this film, his fighting style just looks ridiculously clumsy and it gets worse in Dark Knight Rises. It's like it just it's like you forgot further and further and further how to throw a proper punch or how to actually fight. So and then, of course, the next thing I, I run into is the the cowl, the voice just drove me nuts. Whole film. I mean, you can't understand him. He sounds like he's chewing on walnuts the whole time. You know, and, I, and I'm guessing it's the cowl is squeezing. I mean, if you look at it, the cowl really holds his face really tight. But it's it just feels like he's talking like you can't understand half of what he says unless you're really listening. And it felt like a big difference between Batman Begins and where we end up here. Like Batman Begins, at least he was trying a Batman voice, but it didn't just sound like you couldn't understand a word he said. So there's there's that. And that comes right right from the beginning. You know, the I'm not wearing hockey badge. You know, it's that kind of, you know, it's that kind of voice. It just, well, the first time I heard him at the theater, I remember going, oh, my God, really? Because you prefer the, the, did you prefer the voice modulation that they did for Ben? I love that. I thought, how cool is that? Because that's another layer of secrecy, you know, because somebody who knows him, you know, somebody who might know him even a little bit, they're not going to recognize him changing his, you know, just altering his voice. I thought the voice modulation is a natural, would be a natural thing for, you know, for Batman, because then you really don't know who he is, or at least, unless you can recognize his face from like here to here. Right. And it was pretty clear when Ben's voice is in there, it's pretty clear. So I like that. Um, some people may have liked the, what I've called the diet bat cave, you know, the, the little bunker inside the, inside the construction site. I wasn't a fan as much. It just looked really sparse. Like he's got one bank of computers and then he parks the car and he's got the, the suit thing that rises from the ground, which is actually kind of cool. I like that fact, but what bothers me in this whole trilogy is that we see the proto cave. Then we get this thing, this like bunker. And then dark Knight rises. We suddenly get a cave that he hadn't used in 10 years. Apparently they rebuilt it and then you just never used it. So it just, it's very odd to me, but I wasn't a fan of the diet bat cave. It's like, we're going to have a Batman film. I want to see the bat cave, right? I want to see it. And I want to see it fully functioning. So next point is I'm going down the list and I'll try to not take all night. Um, But I wanted to come prepared. So when Harvey Dent interviewing hostile witness, and I quoted that guy earlier, says on the brains of the organization, he pulls a gun on Harvey. He's got a solid four seconds to land a shot. He goes, I'll show you hostile. And then waits like he's waiting for a punch. And then Harvey reacts the slowest I've ever seen anyone react with a right hook and just, you know, pops him one or right cross and pops him one. But I counted. I went back and counted as I watched the film. He's got a solid four seconds to land a shot, not even a kill shot. He, I mean, he had, he had time to like aim and maybe get a cup of coffee before he got punched. So there's definitely that. So just little things like that, that I noticed. Okay. Now we come to the big one or one of the big ones, first big ones I have when they're at dinner with Harvey and Maggie, I'm not going to call her Rachel because it's Maggie. She, yeah. Um, when they're at dinner with uh, Harvey and Maggie, there's already talk of him wanting to quit. You know, now it's coming from Harvey, but you see Bruce not really disagree. You see his brain kind of working as in, oh, I could, I could find somebody else to do this. And I'm thinking, okay, that's the first betrayal of the Batman mission that I see. Because to really have the character of Batman, this is a character that is 100% devoted to this mission of vengeance, this mission of stopping crime, this mission of making sure what happened to him never happens to anybody else. And it just, that moment is 
it's just odd to me. Like he hadn't even been Batman for a year, maybe a year total. I think between the first film and this one, and then he's already wanting to quit. It's like, wow, that, uh, that lasted a long time. Didn't it Bruce? You're really committed to that. Um, and then, um, this film can't decide whether Bruce is smart or whether Bruce is an idiot. Like it, there's several points at which it decides that he's intelligent. But then when he goes to, when Lucius redesigns the bat suit and he picks up the gauntlet and launches the batarangs out of the gauntlet, like he's just a complete moron, which I know was set up as a sight gag, but it's like, there's better ways to set up the sight gag. Cause at that point you decharacterize Bruce. It's like, he's obviously an idiot that couldn't design his own suit. Oh, what did you want? A seltzer bottle that squirts on his face? You know, a spinning bat signal on his, uh, on his, on his, on his, on his armor, you know, all we're, all we're missing was bat nipples. I mean, really, if you wanted the good, you know, comic, comic sight that squirted, <laughs> I, oh, have, only... I have nipples too, two face. Do you want to milk me? <laughs> oh, wait, I'll do it right. Exactly. I have, I have nipples too, two face. Do you want to milk me? There you go. That was too, that was too, uh, too legible or I can understand you too much. You got to, oh. I have two nipples, two, two face. You know, you gotta, you gotta really, you gotta really mask it in. I, I'll tell you, that voice drove me nuts. I'll come back to that one several times. Um, okay, the Chinese extraction, very cool sequence. Obviously designed for visuals. The cinematography was neat. What meat, happened to Snepper? Meat. It was stunning. Meat. meat. It was stunning. A snapper car. Um, <laughs> but what happened to Stealth? Like in this film, and this this seems a good example. In the first film, it's paraded over and over again. The point is hammered home that he uses stealth. He uses the darkness. He sneaks in. Yeah, now let's just crash through the window as loud as we possibly can into a room full of people with guns. Let's just do it that way. You know, we obviously got to the building, but let's not, you know, let's not sneak in through the air ducts or let's not, you know, sneak up behind our target so nobody even knows we're there. Use, like, Dark Knight Rises. He uses, like, you know, incapacitating darts. Now let's just crash through the window. And then have to get up. And so that whole sequence, that whole sequence for me, while it's a cool action design, watch his movements. And I mean, really watch his movements. He looks like a klutz while he's, while he's in the Chinese building, like he's dodging bullets. He's literally, you know, hands up trying to run around, run around places. I mean, that's, it looks like he has no idea what's going on. It's like, Oh, people are shooting at me. What? It's like, yeah, that's what happens when you crash through the window. Maybe he was doing the bad twosie. He might have been. It came close to this, but I mean, there's like arms flailing and it looks like he's falling over himself. So I'm just like, I don't understand that. It's like, and I don't know if it's just the new suit or whatever, or if he was still dizzy from having dropped in, but it just, it, it was very not, not smooth. It didn't feel like Batman at that point. I mean, it felt like he, it, it felt like a James, it felt like a mission impossible type sequence, mm-hmm. which I think was the goal. Yeah, definitely. But, but once again, if it had been mission impossible, that would have been cool, but it didn't feel like Batman to me because there's no smoothness to it. Like there's no expertise of I'm going to sneak in here and extract this guy and they're never going to even see me. No, he flew into a room full of people with guns. He went, he like ran into gunfire. I mean, that's not exactly Batman or at least not what has been set up. So the next one, the penthouse fight, what you can't fight off a few thugs. There's like four people Joker walks in with and he has trouble with them. And don't get me on this. He's literally standing there when he goes, oh, you're going to love me, right? He's literally standing there while Joker's got a knife to Rachel. At any point, he could have clubbed him in the back of the head. 
and dropped him at that point. I mean, he had the advantage for Fair. once he uses for once he uses stealth. Right? It was, a, it was a great line, though. No, it was a great. It's, <laughs> it's a great line. It's a great moment. I mean, the voice is, again is ridiculous, but right. Well, and it's it's a great it's a great superhero line delivery that he doesn't capitalize on. He gets one good punch in, and then suddenly he's like jumped on. And once again, he acts like he has no idea how to fight more than one person at a time. Like he's doing this sort of stuff and just little fight moves that don't make any sense to me. What did you want? That, Arkham, what did you want? Did you want Arkham Knight for PS4 kind of Batman? Is that what you wanted? I, I reference if you want what I wanted, I'm going to reference the warehouse scene from Batman versus Superman. Like, uh, you, the film. you just you That's... just made Kevin Israel rock hard between his legs. <laughs> I woke something but, up, did I? But I do uh, love that you pointed out the double punch because for some reason that always sticks out to me in that scene. And I and I watched it last night and I was like, why would there ever be a reason in a fight where you would do that? <laughs> It has no, it has no effect. I mean, it would have no effect on anyone. And it's just, it's, it's bizarre. And then if you look, the Joker pulls like a Batman 66 thing where like he grabs his henchman, turns him around and like throws him toward Batman to increase the power of the punch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. Biff. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's the most ridiculous thing, but if, and, if you're not watching closely, you'll miss it. And it's like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. But then if you really like Kevin, like Kevin Israel was saying, if you look real closely, you see like the double punch, you see these ridiculous choreographed, like choreographed fights that don't make any sense. It's like, that wouldn't, that wouldn't work. But like, you look at Ben's Batman in the warehouse, literally uses stealth and then beats the ever living hell out of what looks like 30 plus guys just unmercilessly. So that's kind of like, you can't take on three or four guys. And there's a room full of people. None of them thought, oh, wait, Batman's fighting them off. Maybe I could get involved and clock somebody in the back of the head, too. But anyway, I, I digress. So let's look at the Joker holding Rachel out the window. Let's look at this ridiculous scene. Very poor choice of words. And then drops her, right? So Batman has grapples. He's got all sorts of tools in his belt. He's got all sorts of ways that he could have that he could have saved her from falling and then maybe arrive back at the penthouse to fight the Joker himself. Does he do this? No. He pulls a Leroy Jenkins. And jumps yes! Out the yes. Leroy Jenkins! And goes right out the flipping window to catch her and then lands on a car. I'm more impressed that it took over. It finally took a hundred episodes for someone to get a Leroy Jenkins reference in there. I'm so happy. <laughs> me too. That's, this is that would that should, that made this the happiest I've been all day. Yeah, me, <laughs> oh, me, me three. <laughs> well, good because that's what and he and you'll notice he does that repeatedly throughout this film. Like that's his whole offensive approach. I'm just gonna throw myself at this person and hope I connect and that it accomplishes something. And I'm like, master combatant. I don't think so. But so look at this. He, ta- he he catches her. Yes, he saves her. He lands on a car. Somehow doesn't break her back or his own by landing on a car. Yes, he's wearing armor, but she's not. And then has time to banter with her a little bit. Oh, wait, isn't the Joker still up there with a bunch of people? And his thugs with guns and knives. And I'm just going to lay here with my girlfriend and talk a little bit. Or my Not even my girlfriend, my like my crush or whatever, because she's not she's so not into you. So there's, you know, there's that situation. So just that never made sense to me. It's like, go back for them. You know, you have grapnels, you have all sorts of ways to get back up there, but you're going to lay there for a while and chill, you know, but let's just, let's just pancake car and chill, that sort of thing. Um, 
So I'm going to, I'm going to shoot ahead to what you were talking about. Coleman Reese, you know, he tries to blackmail Batman's identity. Number one, Lucius gives it away. This is stupid because he even says, because Coleman Reese, if you notice, he never says anything about Bruce Wayne, never says it. All he says is, did you, didn't you recognize your baby out there on the evening news? Now, what are you building for him? A rocket ship? He never says Bruce Wayne. He just made, he didn't even make the assumption, at least not that I can tell. And then Lucius goes, well, so your plan is to blackmail this person. You think that your boss, one of the wealthiest, most powerful men in the world is like, Oh, thanks, Lucius. You just basically told him it was Bruce. Nice job. Note to self, don't give Lucius Fox booze at the office Christmas parties. <laughs> exactly. He just he, he just lets it all go. And another thing. You know what he did? He fucked her on the conference table. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you'll find his ass in the copy machine at some point. Uh, but... And so, and, and so we're to assume that Coleman Reese now knows that Bruce Wayne's Batman. And at no point in all this turmoil, when cops are getting killed, judges are getting killed, does he choose to try to go to the cops or the press with this information? He just hangs on to it. You know, because, yes, the blackmail, the blackmail threat was enough to make him not go, wait a minute. This guy's going to keep killing people if we don't know who Batman is. And I know who he is. Shouldn't I go tell the cops? So it just, it's, I mean, obviously it serves the story, but logically it makes no sense it makes no sense mm-hmm. okay the funeral scene funeral for funeral for a friend or funeral for commissioner Loeb, who really wasn't our friend um the joker's hiding in the honor guard right they're doing the honor salute they've got their dress uniforms on you're telling me you don't notice the guy with scars on his face next to you he's not even wearing his makeup but he's got these big ass scars on his mouth you're not going to notice that the guy you train with every single day, probably in the academy or every single day in your elite group that is doing this function, you're not going to look over and go, wait a minute, that guy's got scars on his mouth. I don't know that dude. Who's that guy? Oh, I'm Sully from Undercover Unit. That's who I am. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like they, you guarantee they practice this you know, routine before, probably with the same people in the same places. You're not going to notice this guy with scars next to you that you've never seen before. This other guy that looks completely crazy and like the polka dot man on the other side of you. We'll, we'll forget all that for a hot sec. Yeah, well, I'll yes and you, even though I hate improv. Yes and who the fuck? He's a criminal. When is he going to learn how to do the, cr- the the correct spins and turn and fire and commands on on, on all that? <laughs> for, where is he learning that from? I, I don't care how many times you've you've watched movies like we have or you have, and then been able to nail that cadence down to a to a second, you know. And then him not right. fucking up. He's in perfect time, perfect rhythm, perfect everything. And ask our ask the drum major below me what uh, his thoughts would be on that, especially with with the cadence and everything being orchestrated. That would uh, that, that doesn't I happen. I wasn't a drum major. Thank you very much. I was a drummer. There's <laughs> um, a difference. And well, I, I was, will yeah. I will yes and you on this one as well. I don't think the Joker would have been there at all. I don't feel that the Joker that they've set up would have been getting his hands dirty because at the end he 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 relishes being like I was here. Yeah. I wasn't even there to do it. He loves having other people do the dirty work for him. So he I don't think he would have been in that situation where he could have so easily gotten caught. And that oh, that that always bothers me a little. Anyway, sorry Mikey, go on. No, no, that's a great point and I appreciate that because that's exactly what I'm thinking as well. Look at and I remember years ago asked my my brother and I were discussing Batman 89, which is easily my favorite Batman film. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Keaton guy. And he never gets to like, he never fights the Joker like one-on-one until the very, very end because he can't ever get to the guy. The Joker's not on site 
for most of the times when Batman shows up, or if he's there, he makes sure he's in the background and then taken off and then letting his thugs do the fighting. The Joker wouldn't be hands-on to the point where all somebody would have to do is turn over an elbow and we're clocking with a rifle butt uh, to do that. Not that that would stop Super Joker, which is my next point here. Um, the chase scene. Great scene. Once again, kind of a Mission Impossible type action sequence. So Batman couldn't think of any other way to disable the truck or dis- or to disable the truck than to put his own car in front of a bazooka. That's the best you got. You've got an armored vehicle, clearly with missiles and other weaponry. You can't get behind a semi and shoot out the tires and bring it down. But your best shot, your best thought is, I'll just drive right up next to it and take the bazooka blast. Okay, great job, fool. You've taken the bazooka blast. Now you have no car. And now, until you eject your little motorcycle, they're on their own. You took the shot, and now you're not protecting nothing. So that, I, that and I always have a problem with every, uh, every film thinking they have to destroy the Batmobile. Like, every Batman film thinking they have to destroy the Batmobile somehow. I'm like, quit blowing it up. It's a cool car. But that one bothered me because it wasn't necessary. Not the 1966 car. They could blow that shit the kingdom come for all I care. That thing is terrible. Oh, you better get some hate tweet for that. You better <laughs> get some hatred for that one, man. Ooh, that is, a little that fire is, comes out the back. I'm so enthralled. <laughs> that car is stylish and sleek, but that's a whole other discussion for another time. But you better get some hate on that. Um, okay, so let's look at this. After, and, and it's a cool, once again, cool sequence. Batman uses his motorcycle to rope in the semi literally turns it end on end part of it explodes and the joker walks out with no visible injuries what he was in the freaking cab it flipped over on him and he just kind of slides out got cracks his neck and he's fine i mean is he superman i mean i was wearing my seat belts (laughs) apparently seat belts save lives (laughs) of, of psychos as well so this is my first instance of super joker in this film, like the first time he should have been injured to hell or at least be bleeding. And he wasn't like there, there was not a drop of blood, not a bruise, not anything other than his hair being a little more wet that indicated that he'd been injured in any way. Like his hair looked like he'd been sweating. But other than that, there was no source of injury that what in the world. Mm-hmm. And then of course the, a scene that literally made me laugh out loud in the theater. And I think everybody turned around and got mad at me when Batman tries to run him down with the bat pod. Once again, you're Batman. He's standing there telling you to come on. You've got the guy dead to rights, and your best thought is to try to scare him by playing chicken. He doesn't kill two- people. <laughs> he wouldn't have to. But, I mean, he's got a utility belt for crying out loud. He's got weapons on the bat pod. He could have, I mean, it apparently wouldn't have killed Super Joker if he ran him over. Guy probably would have cracked his neck and gotten up again. But there's all, I mean, there's all sorts of ways he could have incapacitated him rather than just trying to like play chicken with him, which is what it looks like he did. Like he was trying to juke him into jumping out of the way and the Joker didn't, but it just ends up to me, looks really clunky and really silly. And it makes Batman once again, look like an idiot. Like that's the problem I have overall in this film. If you track it, you know, once again, Legends performance is fantastic. So you, so we kind of ignore it, but Batman looks like a fool for at least half of this film. And then the police force looks like fools for the whole thing. They, they look like they can't do anything. Like, they have no idea what they're doing. So let's continue on to the other example of Super Joker. Batman beats the shit out of him. 
like the ever living shit out of him. And once again, no injuries. I mean, he slams his hand down with a gauntlet that should have broken his hand. You know, that should have put it out of commission, but yet he's using it comfortably in every scene after that. I was high on PCP. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, but when you come down, you're going to feel like I shit. And, and then he slams his head on the table. That alone should have at least broken his nose or at least, you know, caused some sort of cranial injury as hard as he hits him. It's a metal table and he slams his face on it. And then once the Joker kind of gets in his head, which is a cool scene, I will say, like the way Joker gets in his head and dissects him when Batman is supposed to be the one kind of interrogating, but then the Joker totally turns the tables on him and messes with his head. Batman goes ape and just beats, you know, beats him senseless, just beats him down, throat, you know, locks the door with a chair, just punches him relentlessly, slams him around. Once again, he's on the floor kind of giggling about it. He looks like maybe for the first time he's in some pain, but once again, no visible injury. And by the time he goes into the next sequence to go kidnap Lau and then escape, he's just fine. He should, I mean, he, he would have had a broken neck, right? Broken hand, broken neck. He would have had a, several very, very hardcore injuries. Did you have the same problem with Thanos and Avengers Endgame or, or, or Infinity War when he was taking beatings by the Hulk and other Avengers? Yes, I did. There was, once again, no visible mm-hmm. injury of any kind. Kevin just, Angel just smirked and goes, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> yep, he just walked No, I disagree with away. you. Thanos had, the, had Thanos had the Infinity Stones. He wasn't hurt by anything. Oh, before he had all the stones, I'm saying. Before he, he okay, maybe one, have, one, one or two. One or two. You have a good argument there. However, the Joker did not have Infinity Stones. All he no. had was a tailored suit. So, And you're telling me the cops are so inept that they can't scan his fingerprints? Surely, if he was ever in the military or in the system at any point, they would have figured it out. They would have at least had a hit. Well, they did. Right, they split, Batman scanned his fingerprint in the bullet. It was on the, the, the bullet casing. And so they said his name is Mel- Melvin something or whatever. That was a plant. It was Melvin White, but it wasn't him. Yeah. It was somebody else. Oh. Yeah. But, but, that, but that's the thing. It's like you think they could have figured that out. Okay. Um, yeah. So and then in the hospital, the, the changeover from that after. Well, let's go to hang on, for the hospital. Let's go to Two-Face. He, okay, half of his face gets in the oil right from the drums. And then when the building explodes, somehow that fire only just happens to stop right here. It goes, uh, Oh wait, no, that didn't get doused in oil. I'm not going to burn you over here. Skin burns either way. I mean, yeah, the oil, the oil and gas is going to make it burn faster, but it's not just going to stop on half your face. That, I will say, I know this just because you brought it up. That's in my notes. They completely eschewed the storyline in the comic books and everything else where he had Thank to ask the face. So that's yeah. one of my parts. I'm like, oh, oh. kind of like in Batman 89, where it's Joe, uh, whenever uh, the Joker kills his parents, like, eh, it doesn't work like yeah. that. So yeah, I, I thought, I, 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 when I, I remember when I saw the movie and his face was in that, in the gasoline. I thought that was the acid. I thought that's what they were going to get at. And, right. then I, and then I was like, oh, it was just, it just burnt. Well, to add insult to injury, earlier in the film, they have the courtroom scene. Sal Maroney is there. Now, in the comics, Maroney was the guy that did it. Right. Tossed acid on his face. And as I've seen, you know, as the comics, depending on which comic you read, he ends up covering half his face with like his files folder that he, you know, or his notes he's carrying. And that's why it only splashes over here because he actually blocks half of it himself. Right. But in this case, it was like just random. Oh, he, it only went on half of his face. So therefore, that's the only part that's going to get burned. Cool. And that just, not not down with that. All right, and land, yeah, land, land this plane, bring this baby home. Okay, all right, I'll finish. I'll finish it up. Um, 
the last thing, and this once again kind of comes to a fighting situation. I'm gonna I'm gonna end it with the Joker versus Batman at the top of the building. I actually talked to a, he didn't he didn't say I could or he didn't confirm I could quote him, so I won't quote who I talked to. But friend on Twitter who is a who has trained combatant trained in several different fighting styles. I asked him. I said, okay, you have. Oh, is it Frank Dukes from Bloodsport? No, it's Fred Dukes from Wolverine oh. Origins. <laughs> the blob? The blob, exactly. You got Kevin Israel hard again. That's twice in 20 minutes. Well done, sir. Thank you. Um, so, but I asked him, I said, okay, as a trained combatant, as somebody who is, is trained in multiple fighting styles, I said, how would Batman fare against a, a, a wild man wielding a crowbar? Because once again, the dogs, you got the freaking dogs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's got two of them, and it takes him a good five, 10 seconds to get the dogs off of him when he's still wearing armor for gosh sakes. Um, but then you get the Joker who's literally just swinging the crowbar and hitting him like this. I mean, he's like an ape. And so I asked, I said, would that honestly be effective? He said, no. He said, for somebody who's been trained the way Batman has been portrayed to be trained, the Joker might get one or two shots in with the crowbar. And then it's over after that point, he gets the hell beaten out of him by, you know, a trained combatant, maybe disarmed and brought down. So just kind of just kind of bring it all bring it all together. The the lack of Batman's fighting skill, plus all the points I brought in. I didn't even get to the ending, but I'll go ahead and just kind of finish it up here. But I have more. But I feel like I've proven at least on my end what I feel like are solid points for why this isn't as great a film sometimes as we remember it to be. Give me a number one to ten. One to ten as far as as far as good films. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. One to ten in the sense of what do you rate this film? I, I still rated about an eight out of ten, but that's purely based on Ledger's performance. What? Eight out yeah. of ten, and you try and gut this? Boy, the <laughs> listeners are gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on. I got nothing no, to lose. Well, that's, that's Look a- where I am. I got nothing to lose. But <laughs> no, I give I, I only give the score based on Ledger's performance because it did change the game. And there's a lot of things about this film that did change the game. But you know, as far as superhero films go, but it was not a Batman film. And I feel like Bale's Batman fell incredibly short in this film, not to mention the switch over love interest and everything I said. Rank the Batman. Now now I have to do this. Rank the Batman films as you see them. As I see them? Please. I will. Now, I'll always start with uh, Batman 89 and Returns because and Batman Returns because they set the standard as far as I can tell. Yeah, oh. you give me that look. I don't, I don't, I don't give a flip. Eighty uh, return returns does not hold up. We did on this very podcast, and I implore you to go back and listen to that episode because that I was the first, listen to it. That was the first I hate, episode. I, I hate to agree with him, but he's right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay, I'll go back and take. You a can look argue, at it. I'll, no, I'll, or, listen. I'll let you slide on eighty. I'll let you slide. You do what you want. Eighty nine up, fine. So, but returns? <laughs> no, I will. I will. I will stand firm on that. What's after returns? Okay, after returns is Batman uh, and Robin. Batman got it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not sending me to the cooler. Uh, <laughs> holy metal, Batman. No, the metal, it has holes. Yeah. I will tell you this. If you, and no, my next one will be Batman Begins, because I feel like, once again, that set a standard. Like, Batman 89 sure. set one standard for a generation. Begins set another standard for how Batman would be viewed after, after that. I will say, if you view Batman and Robin just as a comedy, it's actually not a, not a, it's kind of an enjoyable film if you view it as a piece of comedy 
shtick, not as a serious Batman. (laughs) It's terrible (laughs) from top to bottom. I know even if you watch it and just just for shits and giggles, Mystery Science Theater 3000, it's fucking terrible. But it's a horrible film. It's a horrible film. I can't can't even enjoy it on an an unironic sense. I can't even enjoy it then. (laughs) I can't even. You have to to appreciate the one-liners just for the terribleness of it. Um, And uh, after that, for me, comes, uh, and I consider it a Batman film, comes Batman vs. Superman. Because I feel like that, once again, now you have Batman defining a generation again. And then I put uh, probably Dark Knight and then Rises after that, because Rises is just not a good film. How the fuck do you give Dark Knight an eight, but you put it after goddamn Batman versus Superman, which was a manatee abortion? Well, see, I've actually done a manatee abortion, and, and, and that film wasn't anything like that. Are you um, Jacques Cousteau's long-lost cousin? Sweet. Never never set me up. Um, <laughs> no, as I said, and, and the listeners can be upset if they want to. That's fine. I give The Dark Knight its credit as far as Ledger's performance goes, and that's why I gave it kind of a score that it did. I'm not going to, like, trash as a rating. Now, I will gut it because, as I said at the beginning, Take Ledger's performance away, and you and you don't have a very solid film. There's a there's a glaring list of things that just look really clumsily done, but his performance overshadows that. Okay, so an eight out of ten. I'm going to yeah. let the resident comic book nerd go second because he's just going to mop up everything else that has to. That's his, that's his role in this. So I'm going to go first, Kevin Israel. These notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com where every single day we've got fantastic articles like our favorite. And I'm so tickled to death that so many people are bringing that doesn't happen. One of our favorite blog posts into the lexicon. It makes me smile. It makes Kevin Israel smile. And of course, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. If you want to say hi or if you want to advertise with us, let us help us. Let us help you build up your product or service. Notes. E.T., Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, and The Dark Knight are the four most perfect movie scores ever in the history of cinema. Don't make a face. Ingest it and go, he's right. The last thing I'm doing if I'm William Fickner in the bank robbery scene is chasing after two robbers who have automatic pistols when all I have is a meaty, bitty widow shotgun. That doesn't happen. That's like a two, three, that's like a two pumper, two, two chamber. It looks like it. I'm not a weapon expert. Don't come at me, Bango officer. You are a two pump expert. So oh, as, long, as long as, as long as I come, that's all that matters. Ooh, the tumbler is cool, but we all know 1989 Batmobile Batmobile is the best one ever. So we're just going to move right the fuck along. There's no one who's going to argue that Batman threw that dog in the parking lot battle like he was Patrick Swayze throwing a Doberman at Keanu Reeves during the street scene in Point Break dog throw but you like that reference that's a good one <laughs> watch that film again and I goof all every time I go, he just stopped to throw a fucking dog at him dog <laughs> dog throwing seems to be all the rage in the movies these days hopefully they have some dog throwing in the new Spider-Man and Matrix movies all right. First off, you can completely buy that Bruce Wayne was into Katie Holmes and Batman Begins before Tom Cruise Shang sumed her of all her goodwill. Nice. Thank you. But I'll be but I'll be goddamned if I believe that Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent are gonna bang Shirley Hemphill before fighting over Maggie goddamn Gyllenhaal. <laughs> That's right. Bruce, Rain, Bruce Wayne wrote the book on cock blocking, signed, sealed, and delivered. 
Why? A, he brings a much hotter girl to crash a dinner date with the I don't really care, devil may care attitude. But then taking the entire ballet on a ship so Dent could not take Rachel on a date is the ultimate fuck you power move. What's going to top that? Buying up all the condoms, birth control, and plan B in Gotham City? You think when Batman brought Lau back from Hong Kong on a 16-hour flight, he gave him his full life story? It all started when my parents got shot outside of a theater. Dot, dot, dot. The Joker video where he kills the Batman wannabe and says, look at me. That's the first thing I say while having sex doggy style. While grabbing her hair lovingly. She says, that's not what you're paying me for. Just keep going. Stop it. I'm good. I'm not paying you to talk. I don't have to pay for sex. I'm good looking (laughs) and married. Now, the exploding car with all the Joker cards. That was a great touch. I fucking loved that. That was amazing. And I loved, loved, loved how he changed the story. Do you know how I got these scars? I loved every time was a different response. Is the porno version of the Dark Knight. Do you want to know how I got these cock warts? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with your brain? I need to write jokes. I was kind of wondering. <laughs> yeah. Golly. I laughed so hard in the theater opening night at midnight because I'm a man of the people. When the guy two seats away said during the Jim Gordon, quote unquote, death scene, they killed Gordon. How can he become commissioner? Because <laughs> he's not dead. <coughs> Eric Roberts in the club scene saying, what makes you think I want to hear you talk? Said by every single guy who's ever set foot into a club. The ongoing internal battle with towing the line where the Joker consistently tests Batman is so great. Having sex with Maggie Gyllenhaal evokes the same emotion for me as having sex with a beanbag or a couch cushion. (laughs) There is little about her character that is redeeming or attractive to me. The Joker firing the shotgun right next to that hillbilly while in that truck would have sent his eardrums flying and (laughs) flying out and landing directly in the middle of Hazard County. He should have yelled, (laughs) pulling the trigger. Or... We could have avoided the whole underground chase scene. All they had to do, the cops in the van, is make a left and drive down the wrong way of a one-way street topside and and avoid that fire truck that was on fire and not go down below. That was the whole point. We're going to stay. I don't think they're going to get pulled over. They're cops, right? (laughs) And there were no there was no oncoming traffic because the city of Chicago shut down for filming. Thank you. When he's in prison, the Joker is dressed like a cruise ship comic in the 90s. Yeah, not that I'd ever set foot on a cruise ship. I have higher standards than that. That's just a guess of mine. Batman and the Joker scene in the interrogation room is top-notch dialogue. Just as top-notch as Captain Harris and Proctor looking for a salad bar in Police Academy 4. (laughs) Thank you. Don't you ever touch my balls again. (laughs) I don't see a salad bar. Look, sir, maybe they serve (laughs) seafood. Thank you. I love Police Academy 4, and it's good to see somebody else who has the same amount of uh, affinity for it. An exploding (laughs) cell phone in the chest was a great touch. Much more believable than an exploding shark that lets go because of shark repellent in a helicopter. 
at shark repellent. Thank you very bat, much. Excuse, I, I bat, yeah, but it, it's different. You got to have the bat. Excellent. At the two hour mark, I shall admit this film does slow down with the bombs on the ferries. We don't need the exercise in humanity. Thank you. We just went Batman fighting the Joker at this point and then landing this plane at two hours and 10, 15 minutes long. You mean to tell me that Debo from Friday is not going to press <laughs> that button on the ship and blow everybody to kingdom come? You mean to tell me that regular people aren't detonating a boat of criminals? Move out of the way. I'll do it myself, guys. I'll, I'll gladly bite the bullet. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. I love the final dialogue between the Batman and Joker. I can't kill you and you can't kill me. We'll be doing this forever. If that didn't send shivers up your fucking buttholes in the movie theater, you are not alive. The final scene with Dent and Gordon's family is completely superfluous. I get it. They were setting up the Dark Knight storyline and they had to have him as a hero. But, you know, they could have dropped him off a ledge 20 minutes earlier. And then Batman goes, oh, I did it as they went to discover the body. No, we didn't need that whole Sophie's choice. Pick your son, pick the coin, whatever. No, I mean, I didn't get to that, but I had a whole point on that. It didn't have to be Batman. They could have said the Joker did it. Nobody would have known otherwise. There there we go. Another 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 completely fair option. Yep. Commissioner Gordon is a real piece of shit. He has put his family through the ringer and then some. How <laughs> how how does the wife stick to him after he <laughs> pretends to be dead and then has a lunatic put a gun to his kid's head? What's his encore? Making him use chopsticks to do open heart surgery while standing on a rotted wooden plank above a shark tank? Jesus Christ, Jim. And how does Batman solve that problem? With the Leroy Jenkins. Oh. (laughs) Don't make me laugh again, because I will. There it is. When I saw this in the theater in the first time, I said, Self, this is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. And I walked out blown away. I saw it the second time in the theater. Didn't change my tune. I own the DVD. I own the Blu-ray. I own the the digital copy. This, without question is the greatest superhero film of all time. The storyline is fantastic. The performances are brilliant. The score, as I said earlier, is stratospheric. This film is as close to perfection as you could draw it. And I would have given it a 10 if they would lop off 15 to 20 minutes on it of this. Otherwise, this is flawless. This is one of the, you make good points. Not going to disagree with you. Those are some ticky tack nitpicking parts, but I'll buy them. They're all fair. I thought this is one of the films that would never face an attack on this fine podcast, but we've been wrong before, haven't we, Kevin Israel? Oh, indeed. But just like those others who've who've decided to march up the mountain with torches in hand, they too have met an immovable object, us and this film. The epitome of the remote test. The remote test for you, Mikey, is a film that you stumble upon at any point on cable, beginning, middle, or end, and you drop the remote and go, I know what I'm doing for the next X amount of minutes. This film embodies the remote test nine out of ten kevin israel like you were like you're surprised all right so i'll ask you guys to indulge me for a minute or two i having watched this i haven't watched this movie all the way through in in a while this is definitely a remote test type movie um so last night when i got to watch it through again uh 
I, I was trying to, my wife and I got to talking about it because she came in later in the movie and she was like, oh, what happens in this one? And I, start, I said, oh, and I just started explaining the plot. And I realized writing a log line for this movie would have been very difficult. So I tried. And again, indulge me for maybe a minute and a half because here's the log line for the movie. So the mob is trying to get rid of Batman while hiding their money from the new DA. They hire the Joker to kill the Batman, but the Joker wants to topple the organized crime syndicates and send Gotham into chaos. Meanwhile, the count and the mob hires to hide their money as a Chinese national who just happens to be doing business with Wayne Enterprises. The Chinese guy flees to China where the DA can't get him, but Batman travels to China to get to get him back to Gotham. Meanwhile, the Joker is plotting the death of Gotham officials while corrupt cops who are working for the mob are feeding him information. Joker's plot to kill the mayor is foiled, but the commissioner Gordon dies. Oh, Jim Gordon becomes commissioner later. The Joker sets his sights on the new DA, who happens to be dating Bruce Wayne's ex, a huge HR violation, by the way, and wants to work with Batman because reasons. While transporting the Chinese accountant for some apparent plot point reason to the bat to the bat reason, the Batman stops the Joker from hijacking the police motorcade, and Gordon puts a gun to Joker's head. Surprise, he's still alive. That's about half the movie. That doesn't include the DA becoming a supervillain, Bruce Wayne inventing a big brother-esque spy tech kind of machine, a whole blackmail plot, implanted cell phone bombs, or the Joker kidnapping two boats of people and making them try to murder each other. This movie is so complicated, it's insane. And this, I loved this movie, and I still do. But here's the thing, and I, I, I blame again. This podcast for so much. First of all, I agree. I or not agree, but I do think Nolan movies are incredibly overrated. Visually, always stunning. Right. The action in Nolan movies, amazing. He gets the best actors and gets the best performances out of them. But his plots are ridiculous. And this is no different. They took what have what could have been a really easy and fun plot, and he turned it into this partial heist, partial mob movie partial political intrigue movie romance he worked so much into this movie you didn't know what you were watching until you got to the scene and that brings me to the point to my point about why that what makes this movie great and also what's its downfall to me in some ways the scenes in this movie are amazing if you take each individual scene fantastic the opening scene, the heist, that that heist move that heist scene, that three minute heist scene was better than the entire movie Red Notice. I would have watched that heist scene 10 times if I didn't have to watch Red Nose. Like, that was a movie I would have watched. The, the scene where Joker first approaches the, all the criminal syndicates, in that, in that, that is one of my favorite scenes in, movie, in movies. Oh, yeah. I love that scene. When he walks in going, ah, ah, ooh, ee, ah. Ah, ah. And then he makes the pencil this is fucking amazing. That yeah. whole scene, and and he put, I, I love what he goes. And the TV, I know squealers. Yeah. He's a squeal. Us. Ah, that scene is fucking amazing. And they're all great. Even the scene where where they first reintroduce Batman, they show him fighting the dogs off. Although apparently Batman won't kill people, but he'll fucking kill dogs. He doesn't give a fuck about dogs. <laughs> that is not in that is not in his moral code. And somewhere hey, John Wick's taking notes. Right. <laughs> but there, but every each individual scene is so fucking good. And every the 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 scene where the um with, with where we were all repeated where uh Fox 
explains to the blackmailer how bad it is. I mean, the dialogue is so good. And they, he makes every scene, he makes the scene make the point that he wants it to make. But when you take these scenes all together, I wonder how many people have actually gone back and rewatched this whole movie over and over again. Because I know, and Kevin and I talk about it all the time, whenever the movie's on cable or anything, any scene it's on, I'll be like, oh, I got to watch this because this is a great scene. So many great scenes. But I think the plot was just so convoluted and so ridiculous. And then when it gets to the point of the boat, the two boats, that's a whole nother movie. Mm-hmm. That's like a whole movie into itself. Talking about people trying to like I, you could picture like a 90s thriller, action thriller about two boats with bombs on them. And Keanu Reeves is trying to stop them from blowing each other up. Like, I was going to say under siege, but OK. Yeah, right. 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 Well, it's but, like he had a bunch of notes on the page and was like, oh, I could have this and this and this and this. Right. But it's like they're all their own sequences. And this is for me, this isn't a remote film. Now, I, I, I would watch it, but it's such an investment. Because it's not a film I can drop in in the middle of, I feel like, and feel like I'm getting the film. Like, I have to start at the beginning, and I have to watch it through. There's other films, like, if it's on, I get it midway through, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to sit here and watch this. But with this one, I'm like, no, I'm not going to watch it midway through. i got to watch it from the beginning. Yeah. Because well, and, I gotta, like and i got to tell you, like, the Harvey, there's a lot, there's a lot of storylines in this that I could have done without. The, you're right about Maggie Gyllenhaal. And I don't know if it was much just as her as an actress or just the character. I didn't care about any of that romantic three-way that they were in. I did not care about Harvey Dent at all. When Harvey Dent becomes Two-Face, it's almost, there's no character development. There's nothing that gets him there. He just loses. He, I understand you're upset. Unfortunately, millions of people have lost other people in horrible ways, but they don't become supervillains. Like there was nothing that got him to the point of being a supervillain. And by the way, and this is this is a nitpicky point, but his face, I understand that they wanted, they were like, oh, we can do some great CGI and make his face look really fucked up, but it was like too fucked up. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been alive for that. Well, sorry about that. There we go. He wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been alive for that. He would have been shocked the entire time if that much of his muscle, and he would have had infection, like he would have died. He would have died. There was no way he was surviving. There's no like, oh, I don't want painkillers or skin grafts. First of all, I don't think you get to make that call. <laughs> like he would have been he would have been unconscious and they would have been like we need yeah. to do this or he's gonna die like you don't get to wake up and be like hey sir can we make you look like a human again or do you want to look like a zombie for the rest of your life but right. I, he, I, I i genuinely just didn't care about him and here here's what gets to one of my other problems and i've said this twice before on this podcast because we've done the other two movies i don't like christian bale as batman i don't like christian bale as batman he's not a good bruce wayne he's a very lackluster boring bruce wayne who has no personality bruce wayne's supposed to be charming and fun and a little over the top because he's so far from batman and i've said this and i'll say it again bruce bruce wayne is the mask and batman is who he is that's the irony with batman he's pretending to be bruce wayne and so he has to act like something that he doesn't really know how to be and batman is who he really is and you don't get that at all with christian bale christian bale is just a good-looking guy who gets to put on a cool suit Christian Bale should be James Bond. I don't know why Christian Bale has never been in the mix, talked about being James Bond. He'd be a great James Bond. He is not a good Batman. And I and his the voice, and I know that Nolan wanted him to do more voice in each movie, apparently he told him. I I, I never liked it. What do you mean they're not as a voice? All, all of that said. Sean Connery wants to be Batman now? <laughs> Did I just hear that right? That's what your mother <laughs> said last night, Kevin. <laughs> but 
all of that and any of the any of the, the little issues that I have with the movie, especially as far as this plot goes. And and again, Christopher Nolan has had some ridiculously complicated plots. This movie is carried so much on the back of Heath Ledger's incredible performance. Anytime Heath Ledger is on the screen, he steals whatever scene he's in. And and I think he almost makes makes Christian Bale look that much worse because he's so good. He captures and creates this character and you love I, this movie should have been Joker. Like this should have just been a Joker movie. I could have because you almost when they came out with the with uh with with the Joker, it was almost like, could I watch a whole Joker movie? I could have with Heath Ledger, absolutely. And that's and and I and I do agree with you, Mikey. I think if you took Heath Ledger out of this, you would have had a much more difficult time saying that this was such a great movie. Anybody would have. He right. makes this movie and he pulls it all together, and it and it, and that's why it kills me that he didn't get the chance to do the third one because I think that third one, which was the weakest of the trilogy, could have mm-hmm. probably been the greatest of the trilogy, and we never got to see it. But this is still this is still a great movie. Uh, I I do think people might overrate it a little bit because I think the plot is just a, a fucking mess. And there were points where I was watching it and I and I I kept looking at my wife going, why did they do? Why is he do the whole thing with the? And I'll, I'll leave with this: the whole thing with the bullet is a great example of Chris, Christopher Nolan over Christopher Nolaning. Yes. What did he do to get the the fingerprint off the bullet? He made he made a mold and then injected it and then shot it and then took it apart and put it in a computer and did this and did that and did this and that and the finger what? Why, why? And I, but yet he wasn't smart enough to do it by himself. He still had to go to Fox after that right. and say, "Okay, but he I was." Sm- this, but apparently, he was smart this? enough. He was smart enough to make that crazy machine the that could phone, turn yeah. cell phones into bat sonar. It, right? They it's crazy. Decide. Now, if I can make a point, you're right. And and part of this also, and I forgot, I, I egregiously apologize that I didn't mention that with tied with Batman '89 for my number one Batman film is Mask of the Phantasm. It's an okay, animated that's, film, but it's good. But it is a tremendous film, and you'll notice that what they tried to do with Maggie Jill and Hall in this is kind of like what they tried to do to you know in the Mask of the Phantasm, like Bruce questioning the mission based on love. But the Mask of the Phantasm just does it so much better, like yeah. the because because it I was agree. in the beginning. It was do I put on the mask or do I not? I didn't count on being happy. I mean that right. line alone in that film makes it a masterpiece. Yeah, I agree. So look. In the end, this movie is an 8.5 for me. It, <laughs> it, I, and I mean, look, it's, I, I, was, I was happy that we got to watch it. I enjoyed watching it. But I do think watching, just watching, and we've watched a number of Nolan movies, and I know we're going to watch more. He, he just, he just over-Nolans himself. He just goes fucking crazy. And this movie didn't need to be so convoluted because you have great characters and you have great storyline that you could have just, just gone with that. He just works in all this shit, makes it so complicated. So if it wasn't for that, it would probably be a nine or a nine and a half for me. But for me, it's an eight and a half. Fair. Eight, eight and a half and nine. Here we are again. They would have called those last 20 minutes. This would, ugh, this would have been it. This would have been, there's yeah. no arguing that. Let's see what the dickheads who always want to use a lot of words and never have anything to say behind those words say with any meaning. And those are the critics, five star reviews, critics, five star reviews, critics, five star reviews, critics, five star reviews, a master, a masterpiece. Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight is not only one of the best comic book movies you'll ever see, but also one of the best movies of all time. 
It's in my top 10, kids. Not a perfect, not just a perfect comic book movie, not just a perfect Batman movie, but darn near a perfect movie, full stop. The Dark Knight ought to be played on the biggest screen possible and played like a loud Led Zeppelin song. Christopher Nolan's skyscapes, helicopter shots, and views from the 200th floor in IMAX are at its best. This may seem like faint praise, but about the highest compliment I can give Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight is... I lost my spot. That I can give Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight right now is to say that there are many long stretches during which I didn't even realize it was a superhero movie. Uh, that's Mikey's point. Critics, one-star reviews, or as we'll call them tonight, people who just don't fucking get it. Critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star reviews. It seems almost cruel to take beloved child archetypes and turn them into projections for adult angst. You see... I think there's just too much psychology and not enough pop. It's possible to be serious, you know. You know, if this asshole would have ended this review with, why so serious? I would have <laughs> given him a head nod and a thumbs up like, yeah, man, I'm with that. Yeah. Flawed and overrated. Just like your mom's box is what I say back to that critic. Wow. <laughs> Fuck them. The Dark Knight is neither a good nor serious film. I think it's very fucking serious. It is ill-conceived and poorly done, overlong, confusing, and emotionally muddy. The, gen- the next one. The generation of consumers who swallow this pessimistic sentiment can't see past the product to its debased morality. Instead, their excitement about the Dark Knight's dread, parentheses, that teenage thrall with subversion, inspires their fealty to product. And now, kids, our latest pseudo-intellectual who thinks Adrian Brody is the second coming of Christ. (laughs) Amazon five-star reviews. Amazon, Amazon, Amazon five-star reviews. Amazon five-star reviews come for you. Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne is nothing more than a placeholder for Batman. Michael Keaton did well with the brooding, angry, insular world of a millionaire crime fighter, but Bale's Wayne lacks any true joy, charisma, joy de verve, and he's just making—he's just marking time before the next time he puts on the suit. It's really Ledger's film. He's the reason to watch. He drives the plot. He has the best lines. He is the protagonist. He plays the character if he's consistently on meds, flipping out only one time in the film, and when he does it, it's pretty chilling. If Cesar Romero played the role as Bozo the Clown, Ledger played it as John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> That's. I'm pretty new to the Kindle Fire, four weeks now, but I'm catching up. I'm up to 10 videos on my fire. I just watched The Dark Knight once again, but this time on my Kindle Fire. Whoa, it brought back some good memories. Signed, Jeff Bezos, head of the Kindle Fire promotion team. <laughs> Talking about a work in a product placement, oh my God. I thought yeah. they could I really thought they couldn't match they couldn't match Batman begins. I'm a huge nerd. I mean Batman film. Now the ones with Arnold and Halley, those were awful. I mean really awful. No one's putting Catwoman in this in this in, in, in the series, guys. Let's cut the horse shit. Yeah. The first one with the penguin was very good, but very outdated. Uh, it was the second one, stupid. But these last two, wow. 
The Dark Knight was phenomenal. Heath, RIP, did an amazing job. He captured the Joker better than I could have imagined. Bale, always good. Next one. This one's for us. My only complaint is Rachel. She doesn't really, she doesn't really seem to like to be like the Rachel to me. While Katie Holmes was a good Rachel, a believable Rachel. Simple, kind of pretty, yet elegant and strong. Unfortunately, Maggie Gyllenhaal was used, was used in The Dark Knight. Maybe I just don't like the actress, but she was not all what I had envisioned. She's just sort of sad looking, not in a good way. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> Jeez. Walk right by Maggie Gyllenhaal a couple years in the city. Uh, she's tall. Taller than I thought she would be. What did I like? Everything. What didn't I like? Nothing. <laughs> This movie is not just the greatest movie of all time, but certainly finds its place in the list of all-time great movies. Screenplay, acting, casting, narration, music and score, editing, picturization. Every department has just nailed its role. Picturization. Mm -hmm. Trying to to look that one up. Picturization. Yeah. (laughs) Someone just didn't look up and go, oh, wait, that's cinematography. Amazon. On social media is a cinematography expert. (laughs) Maybe. Amazon one star reviews. 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 Didn't remember how bad the movie was. Just remember the actor. <laughs> Next one. Bat- <laughs> Batman didn't get naked. Bummer. Signed Kevin Israel. <laughs> I knew that was you. Grandson, grandson, got in all that shape. You might as well see what he's working with. <laughs> yeah, let's see that dong. Affleck showed his in fucking uh, Gone Girl, right? Let's see what kind of hammer he's swinging. Grandson is too young to watch. Made a mistake. Would like a refund. <laughs> Excuse me, waiter. This soup is too hot. I want a refund. What asshole is letting their kid watch it? Actually, this asshole let his daughter watch the first twenty minutes or so of the film. I let my daughter watch, and then she was like, he's scary. And then I was like, that's good. This, this is the part where it turns anyway, so I was going to kick you out. But, yeah, she liked it, though. The plot hopped around like crazy and never got me invested. Too much boring action and not enough character development took itself too seriously. Boring action. Here's someone who's painfully dumb. Had to leave a bad review, but the bat but the bat pod came busted in half, and a few other pieces broken too. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. The bat what? pod, yeah. I'm yeah. gonna assume that the bat pod was uh, part of a the promotion that came with the Blu-ray or DVD. oh yeah okay yeah. I guess. Oh wait, can I ask? Can I ask? I, I'm glad. I hate going back. One of the things that I thought of while Mikey was talking, or maybe I think maybe Kev, you made the point. He so he drives around in that bat pod, the bat motorcycle. I don't know why we just don't call it the bat cycle the whole time, right? But in the in the next movie, when Bane invades whatever, and he takes like ten tumblers from he steals them from Wayne Enterprises. Why didn't he just go get another tumbler? It was like that was the only one he could have gone and gotten another one. Well, they even show there's like three or four at least. I mean, there's a couple more. Yeah. He hasn't painted a black yet. Maybe that's why he only likes when they're mm-hmm. black. Anyway. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. Knowing about the two and a half hours length, I could not justify watching more than half an hour of this talkative, violent, and meandering routine. 
<clears throat> Signed, Happy Gilmore fan, 3462. The disc did not work, but I was refunded quickly. <laughs> so was your mom. Hey, oh, another bogus HBO movie advertised as having closed captioning when it does not. If you are hearing impaired, HBO is just money wasted. <laughs> oh my god. He has this person has a vendetta against HBO but then goes on Amazon and writes the review. I just want to let that un, you know, unpack itself for a moment or two. Yes. <laughs> hey, Domino's, your pizza fucking sucks, sir. This is a Verizon store. <laughs> the felony to tease the order box. Kevin Israel, did Mikey Flash gut the sacred cow? First of all, Mikey, thank you for coming on and, and sharing a, a very unique look at your, your, your thoughts on this uh, legendary movie. Um, this is an easy one for me to decide because he gave it an eight. So no, he did not gut it. Just gonna say but that. that said, you did make a lot of very good points. And I agree with almost everything you said. Um, but I just think this, I think Nolan just knocked it out of the park in so many ways with this movie that even the faults that I consider now more, more glaring, they're 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 just drowned out by again Heath Ledger's incredible performance and just the way that all the, the the scenes are all set up every scene is just just incredible to watch and it's it's each scene is like its own mini movie so awesome job but uh, this one's gonna stand the test of time. Okay, well thanks for the chance and thanks for having me on. I mean I've, I've you know and I've said I gave it I know it's an odd thing but I know I gave it a higher score just because. I didn't want to disrespect Ledger's performance at no point, even if I'm gutting everything else about it, which I really was that part. I don't want to take away from it. And that scores pretty highly just because I don't see that caliber of acting or that caliber of characterization from a lot of people or from a lot of actors in films these days. Absolutely. This cow lifted its legs and aimed its udders in your face and just squirted milk all in that bald dome of yours. <laughs> the cow stands, my friend. I agree with Kevin Israel. Uh, yes, but listen, I appreciate the shit out of you for having the balls to try and stand on this hill and face arrows from every direction. Uh, as I mentioned with you right before Kevin Israel came on, Don Jameson did that with the matrix and die hard <laughs> and gave them both a zero on a one to 10. So, oh, wow. <laughs> the balls on Don, you, you, you can stand side by side, uh, with the yeah, letter. Don doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank Zero. you. I, I I figured it was worth my best shot. You gave it a hell of a shot. You gave it a hell of a shot. This was a fool's errand at, at best, but you did you you did not embarrass yourself. I shall say that, Mikey. Tell everybody what you're up to, where we can find you, what you want to promote, whatever. Shout it all out. All right, sounds good. I'm on all over the interwebs, as as people say. Um, best place to find me is on Twitter at the Mikey Flash. Um, I'm a I'm a music composer as well. So if you ever need music for projects podcast videos you know if you're tired of youtube taking your video down because oh the music is copyright well then you know i'm your guy you know come find me and i'll take care of you on that um i'm also on instagram at speed force music you can find me there that's my my music production company um i have a sound library at soundcloud.com slash speed force music you can find it there as well i'm also on youtube just search for speed force music i do a lot of remixes and of, of comic themes and eighties cartoon themes and things like that. So I'm all, I'm all in the nerd and nostalgia uh, veins. So 
should be able to find me pretty easily. Can you remix the Batman and Robin soundtrack to make that film better? <laughs> I would give it, I would give it my best shot. I actually, but I will say I have two projects um, that I have been contracted to do recently that I'm sworn to secrecy on. Um, but why bring as- them up? <laughs> because they're exciting. I'm real excited to be a part of them. Um, but the minute they do, I will definitely, I'll definitely drop those. Yeah, let us know. So, Absolutely. So you, so you guys can know, but I'm really excited about those. Um, but yeah, you can find me anywhere there. If you ever need help with those, with those music projects, let me know. And I'm happy to work with you. Awesome. Love it. Kevin Israel yourself. Kevin Israel.com for uh, comedy and upcoming dates. I'm taking a couple of, a uh, couple of weeks, maybe two months off from stand up. For, uh, for for baby uh, baby birthing stuff, and uh, and then I'll be back on the road. And but in the meantime, we'll be dropping more episodes of Gutting the Sacred Cow. And when we do, please leave us a five star rating and a quick sent quick couple sentence review on your podcast platform of choice. We'll beat this horse to death just like we got these cows. Because <laughs> goddamn it, we need it. We appreciate the help. And it means something to us. So keep uh, keep giving us some good reviews and some five-star ratings, and we'll keep producing awesome content for you. That is the plan. Thank you, sir. KevinGoatee.com for more hilarity, general tomfoolery and shenanigans, NFL picks, Instagram, KevinGoatee, where you see my daughter eat desserts or cookies or whatever. Well, I give my said picks. And then Kevin Israel hit all the, the keynotes there. So I'll just end on by saying guttingthesacredcow.com, guttingthesacredcow.gmail.com. And we're going to get the old live show going again. Get ready for to come see us in person. Hopefully sooner than later, we're working on the details of when and where. But I can tell you it will be Bill and Joanne back again to do another live show. So look for that somewhere up in North Jersey. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, Mikey Flash, thank you so much, Sarah, for hanging out. Thank you for having me. You're a a gentleman and a scholar, and we appreciate it. Thanks, Mikey. Take care, everyone. Appreciate it. See you later. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.